clock that was a gift to me that was given to me a number of years ago. And the clock on the back of the clock, it has an inscription. And it says this, Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Establish the work of our hands. Psalm 90 and verse 17. So this clock was a gift to me. It was given to me by the people of the church that I started in Ohio. And that was a, a motto that we had from, from Psalm 90. And it's appropriate today because I want to give you a, a very, very special gift, something that's really valuable to me, that's been really helpful to me. And that is, I'd like to give you the gift of a truth that dawned on me from the Scripture a few years ago, and it's just been life-changing for me. Now what, we're, we're standing kind of at the seam of the year, one of the seams of the year. It's not fall technically, but when we start playing football and when we start going back to school and when the air turns a little cool in the evening and when we start thinking about getting those downspouts cleaned out and finding our storm windows and stuff like that, changing our antifreeze, then it's a seam of the year, it's a changing of the seasons, it's a turning of the seasons. And at a time like that, when the kids go back to school and everything kind of changes, those are thoughtful times for us that cause us kind of to evaluate ourselves. It's a great time for us, for, for me, to give to you this gift of uh, what I'm going to uh, call uh, a message uh, that I call Carpe Diem. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 90. Well, psalm 90 is a unique psalm because it is, the, is one of the oldest psalms and one of the oldest writings in the Bible. And it was written by Moses. If you look at the inscription, you can see that. It says, a prayer of Moses, a man of God. Or the idea there is, this is a prayer of Moses, a man who speaks for God. It's interesting to me that God would let Moses speak for him when you think about Moses' background, right? Here was Moses who had a very kind of unusual upbringing. He was sort of had a choice between being raised, if you remember, he could have been raised, if you will, in the king's household and raised as the child of a king or as the child of peasant people that were kind of enslaved. And he chose to be with God's people who were enslaved instead of being raised in the household of the king or the pharaoh. And Moses was known as a meek man, right? We, we know that the Bible says that he was known as a meek man, and yet there was a time when God's people were being oppressed, and he saw that, that in a fit of anger, Moses actually killed a man and buried his body, and then he had to flee to the desert, and he was away for 40 years. And you might think a guy like that is a guy that God would never use again. But God really did use Moses again and used Moses in a profound way. As a matter of fact, God used Moses in such a profound way that we could really say with accuracy that Moses wrote the book on leadership. I mean, if if God used a man to lead a whole nation out of slavery, out of bondage, to establish their own autonomous empire, if you will, then I would say there's a man that you might want to listen to. God made a leader out of Moses, and he wrote the book on leadership. The first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch, and they are the books of Moses that that Moses wrote about following the simple plan of following the leadership of God, led in a great way. Moses was a man that speaks for God because he's a man that had felt the grace of God and he'd felt the forgiveness of God and he felt the hand of God and the power of God. And it wasn't because he was a great man himself because remember what Moses said, I can't even speak clearly. I'm going to have to have some help here. 
And here Moses had a checkered past, and he had this failure in his past, and yet he was forgiven and he was used of God. And if you recall, Moses was a man who actually saw God face to face. And the, the, and the, 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 the truth that Moses had seen God face to face was actually written on his face. Now, for years afterward, Moses would have to cover up his face because he glowed with the presence of God on his life. Now, I say all of that to say that if you're going to listen to somebody, this is a man you might want to listen to. I mean, when we listen to Moses, we, want, we might want to ask the question, what does Moses know about God since Moses met God? What does Moses know about mankind, about men and women, about our condition What would Moses have to say about God? And what would Moses have to say about man? And what would Moses have to say about some of the questions that trouble human beings? What's beautiful is all of that is in this ancient psalm of Moses, Psalm 90, one of the the ancient psalms, writings of the Bible. Now, embedded in Psalm 90, what you have is 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 a poetic structure where the main idea is in the middle. And so you have questions that lead up to the main idea, you have the expression of the main idea, and then you have the results of the main idea. And the main idea, in the, the, the big idea in Psalm 90, which is in the middle of Psalm 90, the interesting thing about that is it's expressed in the form of a prayer. You know what you ought to do when you pray is make up your own prayers. Talk to God like, because he's your father, because he's your papa, Right? So you make up your own prayers out of your heart. You should do that. But another thing that you can do is the Bible says that when a man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. In other words, another good thing to do is when you talk, use biblical language. This doesn't mean that you're supposed to pretend you're a Quaker, you know, and say thee and thou and all of that. What it means, though, is that what, how can you say something better than what God has said? How can you pray a better prayer than a prayer that God gave you? A few years ago, somebody kind of rediscovered the prayer of Jabez, and they wrote a book, The Prayer of Jabez, actually a pretty good book. And they suggested that what you could do is you could take the prayer that Jabez prayed, and you could pray that prayer to get great profit in your own life. And I totally agree with that. You can do that. You can take the prayers of Paul. You can take the prayers of Jesus. But this morning, what I want to talk to you about is taking this really simple prayer of Moses and praying the prayer of Moses and praying the prayer of Moses like every day or whenever it comes to your heart that this is this prayer is so embedded in your soul and in your makeup and in who you are and what you believe there are actually five or six things that the Bible talks about in this psalm that happen when a person prays the prayer of Moses all the time so I think it'd be very valuable for us to do that now I did all that talking but Here's what we really ought to be doing. We ought to be just reading this psalm, right? This beautiful poetry, this beautiful music of the Bible, expressed in Psalm 90, it is one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. And in the center of it, see if you notice when we see the prayer of Moses. Taking our Bibles open to Psalm 90, we're going to notice that in the first couple of verses, you see something that Moses says about God. In verses 3 and following, you'll see a number of things that Moses says about mankind, about humankind. Notice what Moses says about God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That's what Moses says about God. 
Notice what Moses says about mankind, humankind. Verse 3, you turn man to destruction and you say, return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight is like yesterday when it's past, like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They're like a sleep. In the morning, they're like grass which grows up. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up. In the evening, it's cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. We are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For soon it's cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger as the fear of you, so is your wrath. And this is what Moses has to say about man. It's not all real happy, is it? Now, when you get to verse 12, and you're, you're kind of at the center of this, I believe this is where you have the heart of this poem. Moses says, because God is who he is, and because man is who he is, what then? And then he gives his prayer. It's a really simple, short prayer. And here's how it goes. So, teach us to number our days. That's the heart of it. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That's it. That's all of it. That's, the, that's all of the prayer of Moses. It's, it's simple. It's powerful. The prayer of Moses is, teach us to number our days, to see life the way you see it, to gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. When I recognize that God is in our eternal refuge, and yet mankind has these problems that are expressed in the next few verses, then... The, the proper response is to pray this prayer. God, help me see how short my life is so that I gain a heart of wisdom. Then what happens after that, there are four or five or six things that, are, that come, depending on how you list them, from verses 13 to verse 17, about what happens when you pray the prayer of Moses. Verse 13, return, O Lord, how long? Have compa- Notice the tone of this changes from kind of really heavy to very joyful now after this prayer of Moses. Return, O Lord, how long, and have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days which you have afflicted us and the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Okay, so there you have it. You have a man who's a spokesman for God because God has chosen him and empowered him to be a spokesman for God because God has forgiven him and because God has made a leader of him and because God has had him become a spokesman. And he's saying, this is what you need to know about God. God has been our dwelling place in all generations. He's talking about the antiquity of God, the endless nature of God, the eternity of God. He's always been our dwelling place in every generation. He's forever. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And so Moses says, this is what I know about God, and I've seen him face to face, and I'm an authorized representative of him to speak for him, see the glow on my face, I've talked with him. And he says, understand this, God is forever and our eternal refuge. And he always has been. And he always will be. But now, man, that's something different. And then he says three things, at least three things, that are true about man. He's going to say that man's life is short 
He's going to say that man's life is sinful, and he's going to say that man's life is sad, it's short, it's sinful, it's sad. And this is true. In your life, you have to admit, even those of us who live a long life, it seems so short. Angel Bell said goodbye to her mother last week, and yesterday was the funeral. And she was 94? 94. And And there were her pictures at the funeral home of this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful young bride and married 70, well, married 70 years ago. Dad died in 1980, right? But, and you know, when you're 94, they think, well, that's a long time to live. But then people still gather around and weep, don't they? People still gather around and feel the pain of that. Why? Because life is, is short. Are you familiar with the life of a mayfly? Around here you should be, right? If a mayfly, you know how long the mayfly lives? The mayfly, actually, you know, it, it kind of has a very, very short, I'll spare you the boy-girl stuff, but basically, after the boy-girl stuff, he dies, like, right away, uh, maybe just an hour or so, the entire lifetime. We're like, in, in the sight of God, our life is short like a mayfly. Here's what the Bible says about this. Um, man is temporary. You, you return man to destruction. You say return, and then he says, for a thousand years, Moses says, a thousand years in your sight, God, are like the following things. And he gives a number of different metaphors for the brevity of life. He says, it's like yesterday when it's past. A thousand years to God is like yesterday. A thousand years to God is like, in the second part of verse 4, like a watch in the night, three hours of the night, boom. A thousand years to God is like when a flood comes and just wipes things out. Boom, gone. Uh, man's, what is Moses saying? Moses is saying, this is what I know about God. He's forever and we're not. Our life is short. We need to remember that. It's like a sleep. Remember how you go to sleep and you wake up and you don't even remember it. Usually on a good night, you don't remember anything in between. It's like that. A thousand years to God is like us going to sleep and waking up. Or it's like the grass, that, that grass that, that grows up and it's cut off and it withers and you throw it away. Our life is like a mayfly. Our life is like grass that grows up. It's like in the morning it flourishes and grows up, and in the evening it's cut down. Notice that. This is what Moses says about human beings. Our lives are short. That's what Moses said. And he speaks for God, and he met with God. Life is short. Remember that. Now, then Moses, it takes even a darker turn, and Moses says, and our lives are filled with sin. And we have to agree this is true. Listen to what he says in verse 7. For we have been consumed by your anger, and in your wrath we're terrified, and you have set our iniquities before you, and our secret sins in the light of your countenance, and all of our days have passed away in wrath. It's, it's, Moses is saying this. This is the human condition. Our life is short, and we struggle during our short life with the awareness that we're not right with God, that God is holy and we're not, and that God's wrath is justly on us. That's true. If, if somebody says they speak for God, and they don't tell you that mankind is under the wrath of God and in trouble, he doesn't speak for God. Because that's what God says. We, dwell in, we, we, we live a short life under God's wrath. We're born in this world in sin, and that we're not, not right with God, and we have a problem. So it's like Moses like, we have a problem. God is forever, and we're not. And on top of that, God isn't pleased with us because of our sin. We're in trouble. And then as a result of that brevity of life, and as a result of the sin, what else is true about life? It's sad. It's filled with sadness. It's filled with sorrow. It just is. You may be a positive thinker. 
You may have a lot of happy things in your life, but you are never going to avoid sorrow in this broken world in which we live. Here's how Moses puts it, starting in verse 9. We finish our years with a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years. If by reason of strength they're 80 years, their boast is only labor and sorrow. And, and for it is cut off and we fly away. And who knows the power of your anger as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So you see what Moses is saying? Moses is saying God is perfect and he's forever and he's eternal and man is temporary and he's, his life is short and his life is sinful and his life is sad. And then he says, so, and he prays the prayer of Moses. So, since all these things are true, Moses says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, teach us to count our days. Another way of saying that was be Help us to realize how, how short our life on earth is. And help us to see life from an eternal perspective or to gain a heart of wisdom. That's what he's saying. What, here's, how, here's what happens when we pray the prayer of Moses. We get up in the morning and we say, my life is short and the decisions that I need to make need to be made in the light of eternity. So the football season kicks off yesterday. And that's all the big deal, Right? I remember years ago, I had the opportunity, I'm a, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm an Ohio State fan, and so I had an opportunity, I had an opportunity to go to all the home games at Ohio State, the shoe they call it. They don't call it the big house down there, they call it the shoe. And so down at the shoe, I had the opportunity to go to every single home game. That'd be like for you, going to the big house for every home game. By the way, nice shirt there, got the big M going on right there in the front row, just for me to see that. It's Nice. It's a nice shirt. I like it. You're good. You're good. And you're among friends here. Lots and lots of them. Anyway, so I had this opportunity to go to the shoe every single home game. A friend of mine said, I'll give you tickets to every single home game. And I turned them down flat. You know, want to know why? Because I wanted to stay home and I wanted to listen to the games on my radio. At the time, I didn't have a TV. I wanted to stay home and listen to the games on the radio you say, are you crazy? No, I'm not. That was a good decision. Because that, when I got up that morning, I had prayed the prayer of Moses. God, help me to number my days. And I realized the days I have to go out and clean the garage with my boys on a Saturday morning and feel the cold snap in the air and eat an apple and listen to a football game, they're going to be gone and those little boys are going to be grown up and I won't have them to clean the garage when my garage will be a mess. My son... I noticed yesterday, my son, my oldest son, Kyle, he, he had a choice to stay home and sit and have his kids watch the football game with him, or he had a chance to go to his, this is so unfair, right? His wife's parents have a, co- lake at, has a cottage at the lake. How, that's so, it's totally unfair. So the grandkids can either come to my house in the suburbs, or they can go to the cottage at the lake. Like, what do you think they're going to do, right? I'm like, off to the cottage at the lake with the other grandpa, you know, the favorite grandpa. Anyway... Kyle had a decision to make, and he, he literally thought, well, you know, it's the opening day, the Big Tens, you know, you know, teams are playing, and I can sit and watch the game, and I can have my kids watch the game with me, or I can put them in the car, and I can go to the lake for a couple of days. And guess what he did? He didn't watch any football yesterday. Why? Because he prayed the prayer of Moses. My life is short. My kids' lives are short, and I have eternity to think about, and I want to make decisions that are going to count for eternity, so I'm going to set that aside in order to do this, that's, that's the decision that he made. I, uh, I, I was walking uh, yesterday, and I was just walking down the street, 
And I saw this little boy had the shirt with the M on it. He had his display and his little, little maize and blue colors, a little M on his shirt. He's about a 10-year-old boy, sweet little boy, was full of eagerness, life, energy, bouncing around. You know, he was with his dad. And his dad was running some kind of business. I don't know what he was doing, some kind of business. You guys want to bring me a handheld? I can do that if we're having trouble here. So, But his dad was running some kind of business, and um, it, it involved a refrigerated trailer. And I noticed as I approached, the little boy was eagerly helping his dad, and he was kind of running around, and you could tell he was happy to be with his dad. But like little boys do, he forgot to close the door on the refrigerated trailer. And his dad turns around and he goes, Close the door! And then the kid stops like he didn't know what he said, and the dad, like real mean and real loud, goes, Close the door! And I wanted so bad to say, do you have any idea how, how precious it is to have a little 10-year-old boy that, that's, that's wearing your team shirt, that's following you everywhere you go, that's so eager to be with you? Would you just stop and be patient with him? You see, if you get up in the morning and you pray the prayer of Moses, God, teach me to number my days so that I make wise decisions, you're probably not going to yell at your kids, Right? You're probably going to be good to your wife. Amen? You're probably going to witness to your neighbor. You're probably going to live like there is an eternity because life is short and you're like a mayfly and there is an eternity. There is a time that will go on forever and forever and forever in eternal punishment or in the bliss and the reward of heaven. And people who pray the prayer of Moses, it just changes their whole life. Lord, teach me to number my days. Did you watch that um, Dead Poets Society movie where Robin Williams is a teacher, he's a poetry teacher, and at the beginning of the class, he takes the boys and he says, follow me, and he walks down, he takes them into the hall, and there are pictures of boys that were in this boys' school years before, and all of them, he calls them, they're all, they're all like worm food now, they're all dead, they're all feeding the daffodils, he says. Remember that? And he lines all the boys up and he says, what are they saying to you? Remember this part? It's a very poignant part of the movie. And he goes, lean in. And all the boys lean in. And he says, what are they saying? Carpe diem. Seize the day. Live while you can. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Right? That's what he says. And he's partly right. It's not enough just to seize the day in this life, but to apply our hearts to wisdom and realize there is an eternity. There is an eternity forever and forever. And people that pray the prayer of Moses, wise people, get up every day and say, God, teach me to realize how short my life is so that what I do matters. And look at the things that happen when you do what matters with your life. This is from verses 13 through 17. There are about five things. You have the return of gladness. Return, O Lord, how long? Have compassion, have mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days and make us glad according to the days which you have afflicted us. Even of a believer who has his sights on eternity and prays the prayer of Moses, even though he's going through sorrow like others, he has a kind of abiding gladness because of what God is going to do, right? That's one thing. Here's another thing. You see the hand of God. Look at verse 16. Let your work appear to your servants. This is one of the greatest gifts in life, to see what God is doing. Right? I was thinking about that Awana sign. I'm so pumped about that Awana sign. So we got this Awana sign out there, and I'm praying all week long. I just keep praying, God, help people see our Awana sign. I've been praying that all week. God, help them. Snap. Have have them look when they go by. And, And you know, a guy came in this morning. He won't stand. Not kidding with you. He walks in today, and we have, oh, sure, that's, which one? I guess I should have thought of that, huh? 
Thanks a lot. So he walks in today, and he says, I'm not staying for the service. I just came to find out what children's programs you have. That's what the guy says. I give him a brochure. I tell him about Iwana. I tell him about Upward. I tell him about uh, Power Zone and all the kids' stuff. He tells, tells him he has two little kids. When you pray the prayer, hear my clock ringing? That means I'm supposed to be done soon. And it's also a reminder that time is just going, right? When are you going to... When are you going to bring those kids to Awana? When are you going to witness to your neighbor? When are you going to spend that time with your dad while you still got him? When were you going to do that anyway? Lord, teach us to number our days so that we can do what matters, so that we can live like there is an eternity. These are some of the things that happen. You see the hand of God. You see the work of God when you pray this prayer. That's why it says, let your work appear to your servants. You see things you wouldn't normally see. Um, that, that's where I was talking about, you know, we have a couple of buses, but only one runs for Awana, and we have a little trouble getting enough people to ride that bus. And I was asking Craig, so if we, if we had another bus, would there be a place we could send it? He said, absolutely. I said, do we have enough workers to handle the kids? He said, absolutely. In other words, all we really need is another person. I know this sounds grandiose, right? All we need is another qualified bus driver that will give his witness tonight to the Lord, and two or three people who will love kids and be patient with them, and we could double our bus route on Wednesday night, and we could bring more kids to hear about the Lord. Don't you just think that would honor the Lord? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I think if somebody gets up and they pray the prayer of Moses, and they say, God, help me to do what really matters, maybe somebody would do something like that, you know? You think about that. You see the, the work of the Lord. And I love this. Look at the second part of verse 16. Another thing that happens is, let your glory appear to their children. Let your work appear to their servants and your glory to their children. Don't you just pray for that? That your kids don't just, you just don't drag them to church, but that they, they love your God, that they see that God is real, and they see the glory of God, they see the beauty of God themselves. That's what happens to people who pray the prayer of Moses. And then there's this, that God establishes our work, establish the work of our hands, the, the work of our hands, establish it. And the phrase before that is so beautiful. It's like, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Or another way to say that would be, let the favor of God be on us. Let the touch of God be on us. People who pray the prayer of Moses have the favor of God on them, have the touch of God on them. So I'm up at Camp Barakel this summer, and I have my grandson with me, and I say to him, come with me, I want to show you something. And we walk up to Uncle Johnny's grave. This is the guy who founded the camp, who hiked in on snowshoes on the north end of the lake, and there wasn't a single building there. And he began to believe God for the money to buy the camp, and he began to believe God for the money to build the buildings, and he began to believe God for the money to populate the camp with leaders and with, with, with counselors and and you know, when he died, he left behind him this beautiful ministry. And I told my grandson, Kyle, look at this. This is what happens when a man follows the headlights of faith out into the darkness. You never know where God is going to take him. And now he's with the Lord, and he's been with the Lord a number of years, and his grave is there, and every summer, hundreds of kids hear about Jesus because he believed in God. Up at Lake Ann, every summer night, Think about this. Somebody, you guys for 60 years have been helping out with Lincoln. Somebody is hearing the gospel. Hundreds of kids on every single weeknight all summer long up at Lake Ann are hearing the gospel up there. Doesn't that just stir your heart when you think about that? They're preaching the gospel. 
They're singing the glories of God with a lively band, and they're preaching the gospel every single night. You understand they've got a senior high camp going on, they've got a junior high camp going on, they've got a fresh start camp going on, they've got junior camp going on, they've got the jump start camp going on, all at the same time, hundreds of kids every night hearing the gospel because people had a vision to go do something for God instead of just talking about it all the time. I'm telling you, somebody there was praying the prayer of Moses, teach me to number my days so that I can apply my heart to what really matters. Can you imagine how your life will change if you pray that prayer. This week I was missing my kids, so I started going on to Facebook and finding all the places where they sang at church, and we took these like bad videos of them, and I watched them over and over and over again. And one of those videos Chuck was singing, and it was at Christmas a couple years ago. And he's just in a noisy room, and he goes, hey, listen to this song I wrote. And he gets his guitar, and he starts to sing this song, and it's a shadowy it's not a good recording. It's kind of dark and shadowy. I remember that night. It was a Saturday night, and I was in a rush to get back home because I had responsibilities in the morning. So I was getting ready to leave, and I was kind of in a hurry, and I was going to drive home alone. The rest of the people were going to come back later. Chuck started to play his guitar, and I was listening to him sing that song. On the video, what you see is Chuck playing the guitar, and then you see this dark, shadowy figure come around the corner and kind of look like this for just a second, and then he went away. And that's the last I ever saw of my brother-in-law, Bob Dunbar. I remember that night I didn't say goodbye to him because everything was all busy and everybody was buzzing. I didn't realize that I would never see him on earth again. When February 1st came, he was shoveling the walk and he died of a heart attack and he went to be with the Lord. I wish I had known that that night would be the last night I would ever see Bob Dunbar on earth. I would have given him a big hug and tell him what an influence he had on my life and how much I loved him and what he meant to me. See, none of us us knows how long our hearts are going to be. None of us knows how long our life is going to be. But we can pray the prayer of Moses and ask God to help us to apply our hearts to things that really matter. Stand with me while we pray. Heavenly Father, I feel like I've given a gift to the people today, this prayer of Moses. I know it will change our lives when we faithfully pray it. Teach us to realize how short our life is and to make our lives matter and to see life the way you see it. And I pray, Lord, for those that are still under the wrath of God, that they would come under the mercy of God, even today, and believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior and be saved and have eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.